0: Welcome, I have the privilege of honoring some people today and they are our kids' church volunteers. <sighs> thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And I wanna recognize them, I'm gonna bring them all up but I wanna actually call their names uh, as they come up. So if Miss Denise, Elena is not here. Just come on up and stand up here with me. Katie. Michaela, come stand up here with me. Dinesia, oh. Pastor Trina. Tracy. Miss Jackie. I don't know why I can't say just Jackie. Just like Jackie. she's just yeah,
1: you? She's always Miss Jackie. Thank you so much ebony Thank you so
0: much. Shay and Trisha, my baby did I please tell me I didn't miss anybody, but if I did raise your hand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i I honestly don't think we really understand what it takes to for for their servanthood and, and their willingness like, to, to serve. That is the hardest, hardest um, ask that anybody wants to do in the church. Look, I bet you if I honestly, if I said anybody want the mic, there'd be like 20 hands come up right now. But if I say anybody want to go downstairs and teach our kids, it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. Like I don't know why kids are so intimidating. Like you just, you know, you, they, they, you don't want to go down there. But these volunteers are, are amazing, are amazing. And, and they don't just do it. They don't come here and say, gosh, it's my Sunday again. They come here because I go down there and see it, that they enjoy what they do. And I'm so thankful. We are so thankful and blessed by all of you. And this isn't enough. This isn't enough. Just this morning. This morning there were 16 children and Michaela was like, I need help. So we had to find someone to go downstairs and help her. And and there's 20, I'm sorry, 20. And here Miss Tricia thought she was coming to the service today. Nope, she's going downstairs and she's going to do some service with some kids. So it's not enough. So after service today, I ask you, we need five more today. We need five more to volunteer once a month to be down with our children. And you're not by yourself we need, to, we always want two, we need two in our kids' church and one in our bubble room. Our bubble room is five and under, and then kids' church is six to 11, um, and we need all of them down there, and we, they volunteer, we want them to volunteer just once a month, <laughs> once a month, Michaela, we want, that's what we want, yeah. you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michaela just can't, she, she just loves them too much, but <laughs> we're so thankful for all of you, and um, I just want to pray over you. Because you are so valuable. You are so valuable to us. And I'm gonna start down here. And I'm gonna just we're just gonna bless each and every one of you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for their hearts. We thank you, Lord, for their hearts for your children. For their for your children, God, that we that you've put into our hands, Lord, for just this just the time to teach them about who you are, to teach them to love you, to teach them, Lord Jesus, that they matter, that they are valued, and that you have a plan for them that's huge, that's big, that's amazing, Lord. We thank you for their heart, Lord, and we bless them. We bless them, Lord Jesus. We bless them and we love them, Lord. And we pray, God, that you would encourage them as they're down there, Lord, when times get a little stressful, Lord, you know, and they're just rambunctious because they're excited kids, Lord. We pray that you just saturate them, Lord, with your joy, Father God. I pray that they see what you see. I pray that they see the hearts in all those children the way you see them, Lord Jesus. The way you see them. I pray, God, that you give them strength like none other. I pray, God, that you give them words. You give them words of wisdom and knowledge to speak into our children. You give them boldness and courage to pray over them. And you fill them with joy like none other. Joy like none other. The spirit of laughter in Jesus' name. We thank you. We thank you for their hearts, God, and we thank you for the hearts of those that are sitting in their seats right now, that at the end of service, Lord, they're going to come and they're going to say, I'll serve you, Lord. I'll serve you in the hard places. I'll serve you, Lord, where you send me. In Jesus' name, we love you and we honor you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I have one more um, person that I want to just say um, we, we value and we love, and it's a big happy birthday this week to Ms. Tamika. If you could come here for a second, <laughs> Ms. Tamika, she she's our campus director. So once, you know when those doors open and you have a need, it's Tamika. If I if we need something up here, I'm sending Tamika a text and saying she she just serves like that. Like and I'm just we are so thankful to have you. You matter so much to, to us, and we love you and bless you and celebrate you. Okay, now, what time is the church?
1: Time for the amen, word! Amen, 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 amen. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, 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 everybody. This is an awesome Sunday. It's like a bunch of celebration going on. I love it. I love it. Tamika, you are awesome. I appreciate you just completely, you know, it's like, you see, you come in and you just kind of come in and sit down and you don't realize that there's so many people making so many things happen before you even get here. And she's one of them that, you know, uh, I get up here and and my square water is already sitting there, you know, and (laughs) and so she's just on top of things. And and so we just thank you and we love you. Um, All of our children's uh, volunteers, um, my goodness, I, I can't stress enough how much I appreciate you. Th- that's where I started. I started in, in, in children's ministry. Um, and, you know, I felt, I, I just told the Lord, I said, whatever you ask me to do, I'll, I'll do. You know, I'll just say yes to you. And so Pastor Becca came, and she was like, would you, would you, would you mind doing kids' ministry? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I would, but, um, but no, I started in kids ministry and, um, you know, it was, it's awesome. Like being down there with those kids is awesome. You, you know, they're down there and, and like Pastor Michelle said, nobody's forced them to be down there and they're down there planting seeds is what's happening. Yeah. They're down there planting seeds and, and, and it's not just babysitting. You're not down there babysitting. You ain't popping on a movie and just uh, watching kids, just letting them, you know, what you're doing is you're feeding them the Word of God, you know. You're creating prayer warriors down there, um, and so uh, we just thank you all for it. Um, you know, uh, after Pastor Becca asked me to join the team, I did it, and then um, you know, you got to be careful when you when you tell God that you'll do anything, you know. And so the first year, this is probably what six years ago, seven years ago, um, I, Joshua Kids Camp was coming up, and uh, I said, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm, yeah, I'll go, I'll do it, and so Pastor Becca came up to me, and she said, hey, I got an idea, and I was like, oh, okay, she's like, for one of our, for our skits, we have a uh, chapel uh, twice a day, in the morning, and in the, in the afternoon, or in the evening, and she said, we have these skits that we're doing, and uh, they involve a panda, like a real panda, S- like, no, like, we need somebody to be a panda. (laughs) And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I was Panda Pete for, like, I thought it was going to be a summer, but I ended up being Panda Pete for three years. (laughs) Just at random events at the church, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. If it involved kids, they was like, hey, Marlon, hey, we need Panda Pete. (laughs) And so I was this big panda, you know, like the year after that, I think uh, uh, she came back to me and she was just like, hey, it's gonna be, uh, this year's gonna be from eternity and beyond. From eternity and beyond. Okay, what do you need me to do? You wanna be Buzz Lightyear? Okay. So I ended up being Buzz Lightyear. The next year, I was like a sergeant or something that we, we recorded all of our skits, and the kids watched these, these, these skits, and, and it, was, it was funny because it was like the third day on the skit, I got my hat knocked off, and the kids was like, hey, it's Marlon. <laughs> I had a hat and sunglasses on. <laughs> it's, they didn't recognize me. It's Marlon. And so um, last week, no, a couple last, uh, a couple weeks ago, about a month, uh, my son Braxton and, and Pastor Becca we're talking, and Braxton said, what's my dad going to be this year? I was like, hey, 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 shut, shoo, shoo. And so they got a costume for me, and I think I'm going to be a hippie dude. Like, that's literally who I'm going to be, a hippie guy. Um, and then, earlier this week, on Tuesday, at our, uh, at our meeting, Precious walks in the office, and she, she walks in and she says, hey, we were going to record skits again this year, And we're wondering if you'll be a minion. I said, like, a legit minion? She's like, yeah, we're thinking about coloring you yellow. I said, okay, I'm willing. I'm willing to do it. (laughs) I told God yes and so. I just told him that I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I was Steve Harvey at the marriage conference. You just gotta be willing. Well, hey, joy is your compass, and Jesus is your destination. Amen. All right. So let's read our declaration before we get started. Um, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we just we invite you in here today and ask that you will come in and do whatever it is that you want to do, Lord. We surrender. Today, Father, we surrender it all to you today. I I pray, Father, that you would open up our ears, Lord, to hear your voice, God, and open up our spirits, Lord, to digest it and to receive it today. We love you and we bless you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen? Amen? Amen. So I said all of that about Kids Church just to let you know that the title of my message today is The Willingness of the Cross. The Willingness of the Cross. Our uh, scripture today is going to be from Philippians, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, all right? It says, let this, and this is, uh, this is Paul, it says, he, and he's writing, you know, Paul's so amazing because he's writing from prison. You understand, Paul is, is, is chained up, but Philippians is about joy, right? So he's writing this from prison. And he says to, uh, to the, uh, the church of Philippi, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient." So this is Paul encouraging the church and the believers in Philippi about the example that they should follow in their daily lives to serve God. And when you read it, it's, the bar is pretty high, right? Because when you know it, the example, the bar, is Jesus. Nothing exemplifies our faith more than the cross. Nothing exemplifies our faith more than, more than a cross. It's an image that's, that's loved by the believer. It's loved. It's revered by us. But by the world, it's despised. It's offensive to the world. Because what the cross says to the world is you're a sinner. But we know as believers, we, we, all, we all know the secret, right? We all know the we're all sinners, we're all sinners. And so they look at it and they say that they're offensive. They're offended by it. But, but see, to us, it's hope. To the believer, the cross is hope. But to me, the power of the cross is Jesus' willingness to go to it. Amen? It's his willingness to go to the cross. He, he gave up his divine privileges to go to the cross. He came down here and put one of these on to go to the cross. He submitted to physical and emotional pain just to go to the cross. In his willingness to go to the cross, Jesus left us an example to follow. And Paul explains it in that passage. The text starts by telling us the heart of Jesus uh, and going to the cross. Verse 5 says that we must have the same attitude that Jesus had. You see, a lot of us live lives, we live our life like we can't control our attitudes or we can't control our feelings, our habits. But Paul doesn't accept that spirit filled Christians are slaves to our feelings. Jesus had a particular attitude, he had a particular virtue, and that was selfless humility. Selfless humility. So that's my first point today in displaying the willingness of the cross in our daily lives is we have to have a willingness to be humble. A willingness to be humble. Humility is the acceptance of the place appointed by God, regardless of what it looks like, what it sounds like, even if it's outside of your comfort zone. It's saying to God, do whatever you will with me. Is taking lowly positions. Jesus humbled himself throughout his entire life. He humbled himself. When he was 12, he humbly obeyed his parents by leaving the temple and his father's business to go home with them. This was God. He humbled himself when he was being baptized by John, fulfilling all righteousness. And he served his disciples in humility when he washed their feet as an example Of servanthood to them. In this passage, Paul's encouraging us to emulate the example of Jesus in humility. Paul points to his divinity when he says, being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That word form just means the permanent, constant being of a person. Like it's their their very essence, That part of you that never changes. You see, God has called all of us to something, and he's formed you for it. But because we may think that it's beneath us, or we're not getting enough notoriety for it, or we just plain old just don't want to do it, we reject it. But what Paul was reminding us of here is that he was reminding us of what the status was of Jesus— Before he existed. When he existed before the creation of the world. Jesus was God, y'all. Jesus was God. What God is, Jesus is. When Jesus was born, God became a man. He became human. Right? Jesus told his disciples, if you see me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't part man and part God. He was completely human and completely divine. This is who Jesus was. He was the perfect expression of God in human form. And he willingly, willingly did the things that the Father called him to do. It didn't matter how big it was. It didn't matter how small it was. Jesus did it. He didn't demand to cling to the rights that he had as God. Instead, he set his rights aside for 33 years to become human, to become a servant. He humbled himself to become check this out. He humbled himself to become a servant of his very own creation. He became a servant of his own creation. I mean, I helped create Braxton, my son, but I can't humble myself to let him win a basketball game right now. I block him every chance that I get because he's 13 years old and I can. (laughs) I will. I mean, think about if God gave you all the athletic ability of, I don't know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Larry Bird, Steph Curry, uh, uh, I don't know, who else? Oh, Kobe, yeah, give you, he gave you all this athletic ability and then cut you loose on a local basketball court. Would you go and be humble? Of course you wouldn't, right? You would go out there and you would be a 360-degree, double-pumping, windmill-dunking, three-point-shooting monster out there. I don't care how old those little kids were. I would, I'd be taking lunch money out there is what I'd be doing. But you know what I think Jesus would do? I think Jesus would take those same athletic abilities and he would go out to each local basketball court and he would teach them the basics of the game. He would teach them how to play the game. He would just give it all away. You see, he chose to give up his rights in order to serve people. The highest position for a believer is a servant. That ain't popular with y'all. The highest position for a believer is a servant. I mean, think about what Jesus said when he came here. He said, I didn't come here to be served, I came to serve. It's not about how many people that you can get over you, it's about how many are under you, it's about how many people you can pull up over you. Humility should be a core value for the Christian. I mean, really, what do we have to be proud of? God, God's doing it all, right? We're just participating. We're just cooperating with him. That's all. If you want to be higher in a relationship with God or if you want to be higher in the kingdom, you need to go lower. Everything in the kingdom is opposite. It's reversed. If you want to have authority, get under authority. If you, if you want to receive more to help people, give more. Give more to help people. And here's the biggest one. If you want, to, you want to live, die. Die to yourself. Like, what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you using it to serve people? Are you using it to lift up a next generation? Like, what are you choosing to do today to become more like Jesus? Because that's our ultimate goal. When I say, when we say that, I mean it. The joy is your compass, but Jesus is our destination. Every single day, Jesus needs to be our destination. So what are you doing with your abilities? What are you doing with your talent? What are you doing with your money? Are you serving Jesus? Paul's telling us don't just live to make a good impression on others or to please ourselves. Instead, Paul's saying, let this mind be in you. Think like Jesus. Make a difference in somebody else's life. How are you serving somebody today? The type of behavior that links us to Jesus is when we consider other people's interests more important than ours. That's what initiates the question are you a Christian? It's that uncommon. Humility is that uncommon. You're either a Christian or you're from another planet. It's that uncommon to to, to meet humble people who want to serve people. I mean, I'm sure the, the, the humanity in Jesus wanted to hold on to his rights. He had rights. He had access to everything, and I'm sure he wanted to hold on to them. But instead, he willingly humbled himself and gave it up to become a servant. Humility isn't easy because we have to tame our ego. That's why it's not easy. The culture places so much value on materialism and and, uh, competitiveness, appearance, and self-promotion through social media that even the smallest display of humility will make you feel like a drowning man coming up for air. To display humility. We often misinterpret humility as a weakness, Because in certain situations it makes you feel like a child. But in Matthew 18, 4, Jesus says, therefore humble yourselves, humble ourselves. I'm sorry, therefore, whoever humbles himself as a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So that tells me that humility, humility attracts heaven in my life. And brings me closer to God. So in contrast to humility being a weakness, It's actually an indication of an inner strength that projects heaven to those people around you. I mean, think about it, when you meet somebody that radiates humility, kind of let your shoulders relax a little bit. Right, your heart beats a little more quietly. You're able to kind of let go when you run into somebody who radiates humility. And it's because you know that you're being fully seen, heard, And accept it by that person. It's a very rare gift. But when we're in the presence of humility, it gives us permission to let our protective walls down and and connect with each other. I'm like 60% prideful, 40% humility. You wouldn't know it because I smile when you talk to me. But I'm cultivating that. God has helped me on that. There's times where Pastor Michelle and I, uh, we have conversations. um, I realized that when she told me, I need to talk to you, immediately, I was like, all right. And I was listening to her talk. And while she was talking, I was already formulating my response. I already had how I was going to come back and, oh, I'm going to nail you to the wall with this one. Why? Because my ego and my pride wanted to be right. But just this past, I'm telling you, God's working with me, okay? Just this this week, she said, um, we were sitting at the table, we were studying, and she, she closed her Mac, and she said, I need to talk to you. And I was like, oh, here we go. And immediately I started hitting switches, you know? I was like, all right, sit up straight, make eye contact. Tilt your head, raise your eyebrows, <laughs> smile, not yes. It wasn't that robotic, I'm telling you. It was more like, you know, it was like, yeah, okay. But he's cultivating it. You know, I needed her to know that she was fully being heard, seen, and accepted. I needed her to be comfortable expressing herself to me. And that's what humility does. It connects us. It allows us to communicate with each other and allows us to communicate with heaven. Amen? So what it does is it, it, it humility. i am sorry. It, humility, it makes room for God. Humility makes room for God to come in and work on your marriage. Humility makes room for God to come in and work on you and your children. Humility makes room for God to come in and work on your ministry— And so cultivate humility in your life. Amen? Amen. 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 The second way to display the willingness of the cross in our lives is we need to have willingness to obey. There needs to be a willingness to obey. Verse 8 says, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Humility produces obedience. They go hand in hand. Humility produces obedience. There was no greater example of humility and the willingness to obey than what I think is one of the most challenging scriptures in the Bible. And it's found in Matthew 26, 39. This is when Jesus took a couple of his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he knew that this was the night that was going to start the chain of events to his death. And it says... He stopped, and, he, and he, it says he went a little further, right? It says, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But here's the greatest example of humility. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In the face of intense sorrow in his greatest hour of anguish, even to the point of death. He wasn't afraid to ask God, if you can take this cup from me, perhaps you would save me from this suffering, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus humbled himself in perfect obedience to God, in perfect obedience to the Father. That's intense. That's a crazy, crazy, like, that's crazy obedience, crazy humility. I mean, we've all agreed to things just to get to the thing and say, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. A couple of years ago, we went to Cedar Point, and my son Braxton, he, he, he didn't ride roller coasters. Anybody, we got roller coaster riders out here? Like, I love, I love roller coasters. So we went, he didn't ride roller coasters, but this year, the day before, I'm sorry, we were going, and his previous visit, he told me, Dad, I started riding big roller coasters. I was like, sweet, man. So we ended up going to Cedar Point, and I was so super excited about riding roller coasters with him because any other time we went, we had to one of us had to sit out with Braxton. And so we got there, and I said, sweet, man, what roller coaster do you want to go on first? And my daughter Marley looked at me, and she was like, Dad, he only rides the Gemini. And I don't know if you ride roller coasters, but the Gemini is like a meat grinder, that like you get off of it and you you feel everything from your big toe to your ear, like <laughs> it is the worst roller coaster. And so we jumped on. I said, "Come on, man, let's do it." So we jumped on and um, we got off. And he was like, "That was awesome. Let's do it again." I was like, "All right, cool. We'll do it again." So we went and we jumped back on. Came off. He said, "That was great. Let's go one more time, Dad." I said, "All right, we'll do it again, man." We got on. We got off. He said, "Let's do it again." The fourth time, I said, no more. I'm not doing it again. And then I lied to him. I completely lied to him. I said, listen, if you did the Gemini, you can do Millennium Force, man. There's no difference, right? Complete lie. There is so much of a difference from Gemini to Millennium Force. I said, you can do it, man. Don't worry about it. And so he said, oh, okay, fine. You know what? I, I pumped him up, you know. He was like, all right, cool. I'll do it. And so we went over to the Millennium Force, and we got in line. And I don't know, we were there in line for probably about an hour and 10 minutes, hour 15 minutes. And the closer we got to the garage, the more he stayed glued on the the first hill. And we finally got up into the garage, and we got up to the car, and he said, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not doing it. He's like, what are you talking about, dude? We waited for an hour and 15 minutes. Let's go. Come on. Let's get on it. I'm telling you, it's just like the Gemini. He said, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, you know what? You walk across this track over there, and you walk down those stairs, and don't get kidnapped, and I'll see you in two and a half minutes. Good father, right? (laughs) Pastor Michelle was there with me, and she rode, too. She didn't didn't stay with him. (laughs) But we... I feel like we make these grand statements to God. Oh, I surrender my life to you, God. I surrender my life to you. I'll give it to you all, right? But do we really? Do we really surrender our life to him? Because listen, I have a problem not eating a donut on the third day of a two-week fast. But I surrender my life to you, God. I'll give it to you all. Really? Really? But not eating a blueberry donut on the third day is too much for you? I'm just being honest. We surrender. We make these grand statements to him. Like, do you really want to know the will of God for your life? Do you really want to know the will of God for your life? Do you really want to know what he would do with you today if, if, if he had complete control over your body? If, he, if you just sur- gave it all to him, what would he do with you? Where would he send you today? Who would he have you call today? Who would he have you pick up and run to the store today? Who would he would just have you sit down with today? If you surrendered completely to him. We have to be honest with ourselves. Am I truly, truly surrendering with complete obedience to God? It's a question that scares a lot of us Christians because we're afraid. We're afraid that he's going to be disruptive to our lives. The reality is, I believe, that he wants to be disruptive to our complacency. He wants to get all in the middle of it. It's only when we allow him to be disruptive and get uncomfortable that we'll truly see his will begin to develop in our lives. We think we're going to lose something or that we, we're going to miss out on something if we start living in complete obedience to God when Scripture tells us the complete opposite is true. In Isaiah 119, it says, if you are willing and obedient You shall eat the good of the land. (laughs) Being willing speaks of what you value. It speaks of of your attitude. We must have a willing attitude to do what God tells us to do. He won't make you do anything. He's not going to make us do anything, but wants to give us everything. Everything. But it takes both willingness and obedience to the Lord to eat the good of the land. I'm talking the best spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, emotionally. It takes a willingness for you to be obedient to receive the best of the land. And I don't know about you, but I want it all frequently in my life. I want everything that he has to give me, I want it. And I will take yours if you don't take it. Yielding to God's will isn't always easy. It's mostly not convenient. It's mostly not convenient, and it's usually not popular. Like, often being obedient to the will of God means doing the hard hard things, means going to the hard places, and we end up along the way finding a bunch of potholes and obstacles. But the one thing that we can be sure of is that the will of God will never take you, and never call you anywhere where the grace of God won't keep you. His grace is always, it will always be sufficient for where he sends you. If you're willing to go, he'll use you. Humility produces obedience. And watch this. This is, I marveled. I marveled at God this week because I read... I read a, this overwhelming vision of, of God. And it was given by the prophet Isaiah. And I don't know how you guys see God, but I believe that all of our like, daily frustrations, our pressures, and our personal shortcomings, they blur or they minimize the view of God. Like we, we, we have our own idea of who he is. And there's times where I'll go into my room to pray, and I'll just kind of waltz in, like, you know, and just kind of ramble through my list of things, you know, my junk. I just ramble through them like I'm just, I don't know, like I'm in the presence of somebody common. He is so uncommon. He's so uncommon. He's so holy. I think that most of us need to forget about the image that we have of God, and we really need to we need the Bible's view of who he is, who he actually is. I mean, listen, I just want you to listen to the description that the prophet Isaiah gives of this vision of God that he had. And I don't, I don't, even, put the, I don't even want to put the, the scripture up. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. Close your eyes. This is the vision Isaiah had. I want you to put yourself in his shoes right now. He says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, these are angels. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. I don't know what that does to you. I don't know what that does to you. But it wrecked me. It wrecked me this week. He is so holy. He has matchless power, matchless power. None can describe him. Isaiah said he was high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the room. Like, he's so glorious, so wonderful. Like, he, he lives he's in an unapproachable light. Moses, Moses asked him, but can I see you? I? God said, no man can see me and live. He is magnificent. He's, he's described again in Isaiah 40, and it says, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. That's us. Like, I don't know what that does to you, but immediately what it did to the prophet Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, is it When he was in the presence of this holy set-apart God, when he saw the Lord and he heard the praises of these angels, it says in Isaiah 6-5, he walked in and he said, Woe is me. Woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among people who are unclean. They have unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King. The Lord, the the Lord of hosts, like he immediately recognized, being in the presence of God, he immediately recognized his imperfection as he stood in the presence of perfection. That's what that should do to us. When we get in the presence of a perfect, almighty God, it magnifies our sinfulness. And Isaiah walked in that room and he said, I am a dead man being in this room. I am a dead man. You are so perfect. You are so holy. And then this angel begins to fly over, and this is beautiful. It says that in in Isaiah uh, 6 through 7, it says, then one of the seraphim flew to him, flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my lips with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. And your sin is purged. Isaiah thought immediately, when this angel came flying to him, he thought, "Man, I am getting ready to die. You are so holy." The angels couldn't even look at him. They, they said they, they, they held their wings over their eyes and over their feet. They covered their entire bodies and just sing, "Holy, holy, holy are you." And it rattled the foundation of the temple. He thought, I am a dead man. And the angel said, no, no, no. He said, relax. Your guilt has been taken away. And your sin atoned for. Somebody else paid for it. Somebody else paid for it. Somebody else paid for it. (laughs) God wants you to know today that somebody else paid for it. That you don't have to live in shame anymore. You don't have to live in guilt anymore. You don't have to live in condemnation anymore. It is all paid for. Thank you. When we get in the presence of the Lord, it should, it should cause us to humble ourselves. But here's the best part of that. As it says in, in Isaiah 6:8. Isaiah says, also I heard the voice of the Lord. I heard his voice saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said then, he said, said, here I am. Here I am, send me. Send me. The Lord said, I need a messenger to go on earth. I, say, I said, send me. I'll go. I can't believe you just did that for me. I can't believe you just forgave me. Send me. I'll go. He said, All right. I'll send you. I'm going to have you keep preaching, but they won't listen. I, say, I said, I don't care. I don't care. I'll do anything. I'll do anything for you. Are you willing to do anything for the Lord? He has paid for everything. Are you willing to do anything for the Lord? His humility produced obedience, but even better, Isaiah's proximity to the Lord and his willingness to serve him gave Isaiah this unique opportunity to answer God's prayer. That's crazy. He actually got to answer God's prayer. And what that tells me is that our obedience produces right feelings and right living by adjusting our lives to God's will. Are you allowing him to adjust your living today? When we obey God, it deepens our relationship with Jesus and causes God to lift us up. Pastor Mike said that earlier. It allows him to lift us up to greater things for the kingdom. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. See, the payment for Isaiah's sin was through cleansing with a hot coal. But our payment was through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, who willingly suffered and died on the cross for our sins so we wouldn't have to. Because of Jesus' willingness to humble himself and come to earth, his willingness to be obedient and go to the cross and atone for our sins, God lifted him up. And God is lifting you up today. He's lifting you up above oppression. He's lifting you up above anxiety. He's lifting you up above fear, above doubt. He's lifting you up today. Amen? And because we believe in his son, we actually now have the privilege of standing in the presence of our amazing, holy, set-apart God and be confident that he hears our cries and even better, we're given this unique opportunity to answer God's prayer if we choose to get up every single day and get in His face. Proximity matters. God still needs, He still wants messengers. He still wants messengers. As he, he's asking, Are you willing? Are you willing? If you're not, He'll move on to the next person. But man, That right there is my prayer for you today. Stand with me as we close. It's my prayer for you today, church. Is that this week that you would discover the holiness of God. When, When you discover his holiness and when you get in his presence, you humble yourself and get in his presence. There'll be an obedience that's, that'll produce obedience in your life immediately. And God wants to do some pretty amazing things in your life. He wants to do some things in you. He wants to do some things through you. But it only happens when we become willing to truly humble ourselves before an awesome God with a willingness to be obedient. That's where powerful testimonies are formed. When you surrender your life to God. Not just the stuff that you don't, you don't mind him seeing. You don't mind talking about. Surrender it all. Jesus didn't have to come to earth. He didn't have to put up with being slandered, and ridiculed by people. He didn't have to submit to human beings and the pain of human life. And mostly, he didn't have to go to the cross. But he humbly did it anyway. He humbly did it anyway. And he did it willingly for you he did it willingly for me. Listen, church, we are called. Every one of us are called. That's why you're still here. God still has work for you to do. We're all called just to do it anyway, like Jesus. Do it anyway. We may not want to apologize. We need to apologize anyway. We may not want to forgive. We need to forgive anyway. We may not want to show love. We need to love anyway. Because we didn't deserve any of this. But Jesus did it anyway. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a perfect example of willingness for us to follow God. God, I pray that you would cultivate humility in our lives today. Keep us focused on the things of heaven. Help us see the people that you've placed in our lives the way that you see them, Lord. Help us identify those people that you put in front of us, God, because if you put them in front of us, they're important to you. Help us to be more willing this week, God. Give us ears to hear your desires this week. Give us ears to hear your desires this week, Father. We want that awesome opportunity to answer your prayer, Lord. To be used by you, God. We welcome your disruption to our complacency today. We willingly go to the hard places and do the hard things. Father, do whatever you want to do in our lives. Help us surrender to you. Help us surrender more to you this week, Jesus. Help us to be servants of your kingdom. We owe you our lives, Jesus. We thank you and we bless you today. In your mighty name we pray, amen. We're gonna have some of our uh, pastors and altar ministers up here to pray for you. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, want to give you that opportunity today. It is the most important decision you'll ever make. We have some people up here to pray with you right now. I want you to come this way before you go that way. Amen. Our table's going to be open in the back. We need more volunteers. We need people to show our kids Jesus. Amen. And this cupcakes. I love you all, I bless you today I thank you for being here, remember to live right love everybody and pray hard we'll see you guys next week